the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, the uh, traditional podcast has returned. Um, we could spend some time making excuses, but I don't... Are you kidding me? Really, dogs? They're, hey, it's like it's like we never left. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Lady Bing. Thank you for barking. Okay, anywho... Uh, I guess perfectly on cue. The uh, the dogs have realized that I'm trying to record something, so it's time to bark at someone walking on the street. Um, the uh, regular podcast is back. Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. I uh, I get the notifications on my phone whenever you guys do a car cast, and it's like you have nine unlistened episodes of this podcast, and I was like oh shit that's kind of a lot so i went through and i looked to see the last time that we actually did a podcast and it has been like nine weeks or something like that i've only been on two since the season started if that tells you how my semester went yeah it was a kind of also a combination of other things too where there's it's not just on you to and you know this but i'm putting this to tell it was also uh i finished and wrote a book in the past basically finished a book up in the past two weeks not two weeks i've turned it in on december 15th so a week ago i turned it in but the uh and i've been working on it for about a year but if you ever have to if you never realize how much time writing a book takes up until you actually try to write that book (laughs) um so um for christmas for for those looking for christmas presents for the 2018 year (laughs) Buy uh, buy my book next year. A hundred things stars fans should know and do before they die. It's uh, it'll be good, I think. Uh, <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope it'll be good. I think so, it's good. Speaking of 2018, there's a lot. We there's just so much that has happened the last two months that just I mean not just with the stars but with us. Sean's gonna be a dad. That's exciting. Yes. Yes, that is exciting. I didn't fail out of grad school this semester, which is also exciting. It was touch and go for a little bit, but they haven't gotten rid of me yet. And next fall, I'm going to be living in Dallas for a couple months. So, that just what an exciting time to be alive. It is. It's uh, quite uh... There's a lot. A lot did happen. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, a lot happened. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of blurs together. Yeah, and the stars are at this point. At this point, right now, the stars are in a better spot than they were at this point last year when we were recording. When we were recording late in 2000, uh, 2016. The stars were not in a good spot. The stars, you could argue, you'd like them to be in a better spot right now. But as we're recording this on a Saturday morning, they're a con- they're they are a contender for a playoff spot. Um, and there actually still is hope for a potential playoff run. So the Stars are in a better spot right now than they were at this point last year. Maybe not where people would have hoped after some of the offseason moves, but I digress. They are in a better spot than they are 12 months ago when we were recording this. No, for sure. And I know, especially with everyone that was brought in in the offseason, expectations kind of got ramped up in a hurry. And we talked about it a little before the season that, you know, those expectations can be warranted, but maybe we should also pump the brakes a little bit. And I, th- I feel like we both exercise pretty decent caution saying, you know, this team has potential to be really good, but it, there's also a lot that can potentially not work out. But, you know, I I think that 
I mean, it doesn't necessarily help that Winnipeg and Nashville have both been just absolutely ripping it so far to start the year, and Dallas just can't seem to beat either of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's not the best-case scenario where Dallas is right now, but it certainly isn't the worst either. I think they're they're kind of in that happy medium between what they could be and what we hoped that they wouldn't be, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, I mean... Because of games played, it's a bit skewed. But, I mean, it's actually, if you think about it, they're going into a game against Nashville tonight where if they beat Nashville, and that's a tall task, they haven't been able to really do that this year. Nashville's got 45 points coming into tonight, and Dallas is at 41. Now, they've played, Nashville's played three less games, so it's a number that, it's, it's a it's a false hope, obviously. But in theory, based off points, you're looking at a point where Dallas could pull within a couple points of first in the division tonight heading into Christmas. Now, Nashville's played three less games. In theory, that could quickly turn into a eight-point lead for Nashville if they make up the difference and win those three games. But, but, but it's the holiday season. Let's look at the positives. Right, and you got to know too that I mean, Dallas has already kind of hit a rough patch early throughout this year, and that's not to say they're not going to hit another one. But Nashville, Winnipeg, these three teams that really have just been kind of smooth sailing for the most part. So, you know, a rough patch is going to come for one of these teams, and you're goal if your Dallas kind of has to be to just keep the pace and keep playing the way that you've been playing lately so you're in a position to take advantage of that I look at it the way um and this is kind of just a good hockey mantra to look at it more than for a stars related thing but like I look at it I we had a good I had a good conversation with Barry Trotz earlier this week um, when Washington was in town and Barry Trotz talked about I said it doesn't matter. The axiom you got to look at as a coach is you can't look at wins and losses. You've got to look at as you've got to look at as you've got to get four points out of every three games, um, which could mean two and oh, two oh and one. Could mean one. It could mean um, it could be one oh and two. But you've got to look at it and with how the NHL has set up this season, you've got to look at where you're taking four points out of every three games just because of how crunched it is. Where there's really, and Barry Trotz didn't use them by name, but it's, there's Tampa Bay, there's Tampa Bay, and the East is a little bit different where there's there's one division that's great and the other division that's not very good. Um, and and I, Even in the West, the Central is better than the Pacific, but either way in this league, there's really only three or four, four or five teams that are that you'd say we're out of it right now across the entire league. And even some of those, like you look at Edmonton, I'm sure there's some people who still believe Edmonton's going to go rip off a streak because of Connor McDavid at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're um, just looking at the standings right now uh, because I truly have not paid as much attention to hockey as a whole as I would have liked to this semester. I mean, you look at the West right now, really the only team that's out of it is Arizona and same in the East it's Buffalo. And I mean, it's a little different in the, I mean, there's still only two teams that are not really within striking distance, Buffalo and Ottawa. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I, that mantra is, was it Thanksgiving? If you're in a playoff position for Thanksgiving, like 90% of the time you're in the playoffs at the end of the year. So, I mean, that's kind of the position you want to be in, but it's still, especially with how, with the loser point and everything, it's, it's really, you. it's really easy where you can go like a string of 10, 15 games and get a point in all but one or two of those games. So, I mean, yeah, that's because if you think about it, I mean, you get four points every three games, you're, you're winning two of three games, which is, I think where everyone 
ideally would like to be. We look at the Stars' last three games, and they did that, even though they lost and they lost in New Jersey, and they lost. Sorry, they lost to Philadelphia in overtime, and then they lost to Washington in overtime. Then they go and beat Chicago the other night. We didn't really like you didn't really like the showing in Phil in uh, New Jer- in in Philadelphia in Washington, but then the, the good showing against Chicago, and that's four and three right there. That's what you that's kind of what you have to do. Um, but and we're gonna t- we're gonna talk more about the NHL club. And, and I'm sure it'll be sprinkled in as we go throughout this podcast. But we're gonna talk about more about um, more back on next week for kind of our 2017 year wrap up. But you mentioned Buffalo. Something happening in Buffalo that starts next week is the uh, 2018, the 2018 World Junior Championships, and this is actually I was working on my uh, story for it. The uh, I was working on my story, kind of my viewing guide for Stars fans the other day for it, and it's this should be actually a pretty fun tournament from a Stars pros, Stars fan prospects to watch as far as this World Junior. Um, there's a pretty good. There's six. There's six players. I mean, I, I know the U.S. roster still has to be officially finalized. Uh, I think it's being finalized this morning. Um, but stars. There should be six players. Uh, six stars prospects in the tournament, and uh, it should be actually a pretty entertaining tournament as well. And the timing. Were, and with it being in the U.S., it's also not playing. There's also, there's also not crack of dawn game time. So ideally, it's a tournament that if you haven't watched World Junior before. And I'm assuming you probably have if you're listening to this podcast. But if you haven't, it's this is could be kind of a funnier to to, to tune in. Uh, yeah, especially uh, because that other international tournament that's happening in a couple of months is not going to be very good. So this, I mean, this, I, I, this is my favorite time of year because I mean, Christmas is nice. You get to see family, which is nice. But I love World Juniors. It's especially when you kind of pay attention a little more and you kind of are not even like super versed on all the prospects and what's going on. It's just kind of cool to see the next wave of NHL players coming up. And anytime you can get all jingoistic and talk crap to Canadians is a good time in my book. I think my favorite part of world juniors, it always goes back to, I think it was, I can't remember. It was last year, the year before I asked Jason Spezza about it. And Jason Spezza said it was great. It's an easy day. It's an easy time to win bets against guys from all the, it's, it's an easy time to win bets against all the Europeans in the locker room. <laughs> that's, that's kind of screwed up, but it's kind of true. Well, if you think about it, if you're, say you're, I don't know, say you're Radic Foxa and Martin Hansel, you're Czech, you're going to be like, yeah, Czechs play the Canadians. Of course you're going to say, oh, you, you, you got to support your country. And if you're, the quarter of the Canadians at the room, of course you're going to take that bet. So, <laughs> Right, and it's like, it's not quite, I mean, obviously the Olympics mm. when NHL players was the gold standard because then you'd get, it. you look at it, I mean, like, I was reading, I got, um, what did I, I got like elbow pads a couple of months ago because I played rec hockey and I didn't, I haven't worn elbow pads in forever and I thought that, you know, it would be a good idea to wear elbow pads again. But the, roundabout story for that is it came with a year subscription to hockey news and um it got they had their world junior preview magazine that was uh, that just came out so i was reading that on the flight home and it was like it was talking about some of the smaller countries and i'm reminded of this because i the, when team usa played their tune-up game against belarus the other day and kicked the ever-loving crap out of them it, 14 to nothing yeah <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminds me like it's it's fun to watch in the sense that it's exciting. It's truly exciting hockey. Like when you get top 
against top playing against each other. So you get like Sweden versus Finland or Sweden versus the U.S. Those are great games to watch. But it's not like the Olympics where you have 2010 and you have what I don't even remember. Was it Goodlevsky's for Latvia who pitches a 50 save performance against Canada and they lose two to one? You don't really get that as much in World Juniors. And it was talking about, I think, um, Switzerland, how Switzerland kind of made noise a little bit last year because they had Nico Heischer on their team. Mm-hmm. And now there's not really, there's not really that top prospect who's playing for kind of a, a second tier nation that can kind of put a scare into the top four. And they're making it well, seem it's like, kind it's, of- if you remember a couple years ago, um, if you remember a couple years ago when the, uh, Edmonton did not release Leon Dreisaitl back to Germany, and that kind of killed all of Germany's chances, and Germany got relegated. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yes. And it was one of those where Dreisaitl was just kind of being, and they actually sent him back to his WHL team eventually, but um, it was one of those instances where the Edmonton Oilers basically said he's better sticking around here, um, and the German team just, they didn't have a chance either way, but probably avoid maybe the relegation round if Dreisaitl is on their team. It's interesting because, like, I was talking to um, I was talking to someone the other day about this, how you have, sometimes you never see these top prospects from the, uh, you have to get lucky with some of these top prospects from the other smaller countries. Like, what, what would happen? Sometimes you get in this, like, um, someone took it all the way back to the time when Anze Kopitar was in... Uh, the age where he played for World Juniors and with, with Slovenia. The Kopitar never got to play in the main World Junior Tournament because he got there and Slovenia wasn't in the top-tier tournament. They reached the top-tier tournament in his final year. They he, they won the, the uh, World Junior 1A tournament, which is the tournament right below, the year before. And so the next year after, Slovenia's in the World Junior Tournament, but they don't have... <laughs> Right. Kopitar had aged out by then. Right. So it's so sometimes you don't even see some of these top prospects from some of the smaller countries because they're the guys that get the team there, and then the year after they're actually there. And that was kind of one of the things that I know some people didn't really like about the World Cup that was kind of just a money grab. But I kind of liked it was the te- having the team Europe so you kind of get the best of the rest, so to speak. And I get it's kind of a hodgepodge and the jerseys look like the Enron logo and the colors look suspiciously like Enron colors, but it, it was kind of cool in that regard. And I, and I don't, I get that something like that wouldn't work in a, an Olympic setting where it's, you're obviously representing your country and the world cup wasn't necessarily that, but it would, but, but, but the Russians aren't representing their country this year. It's true. I'm actually interested to see how that goes out. If it's just a, a team that's playing with a white flag and if they just all suspiciously happen to be Russian players. Well, I, I, I so one thing I saw about that. So they're, they're technically allowed to be called Olympic athletes from Russia. That's what they're technically allowed to be called. Um, but the rules are, and it's actually written in like on uniforms and stuff like that. The word Russia cannot be larger than the word Olympic athletes from. So it's not like they can go right like Olympic athletes from like on the collar of the shirt and then put Russia in big letters. The word Olympic athletes from has to be the exact same size font as the word Russia. That's so jacked up. Like, jers- like but you you know if they didn't put that in, it would be like it would say like Olympic athletes from in really tiny print. Right. And then Russia right. the Russia would be big. 
Like, well, that was almost a disaster in its own right because I was reading somewhere that if if they didn't let the clean Russian athletes compete at all, then the KHL was just going to be like, okay, well, we're not releasing any of our players to compete. So then it was like, okay, so we're going to have the World Juniors in December, and then we're going to have another World Juniors at the Olympics because that's literally the only play people that they would have able to play that. Other, I mean, I guess you could have the finish in the Swedish leagues, but at that point, it's like. You'd, if you're, yeah, if you're like the United this, States and Canada, you're better off playing junior players in that regard. Yeah, and it would have been... I mean, that would have actually probably been the best possibility for the Finns and the Swedes to win because the Swedish league... There's there's some good players in the Finnish league and the Swedish, in the Swedish league that international... Term, I mean, you look at the world championships every year, the Finns and the Swedes do a pretty good job. So had that happened, the Finns and Swedes would have probably been in an ideal spot to, 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 uh, to, to compete there. Um... One, uh, to, to kind of dive into the, the star's angle on this, and it, he's actually a guy who should be playing for the Olympic team as well, and so I, I, we'll, we'll just start with the big name off the top for Dallas. Is It's going to be fun to watch Miro Heiskanen play against his peers in an HD feed as opposed to some of the uh, feeds I've had to watch of the uh, finish <laughs> the finish league because there's only so much you can get over here of that but it's going to be fun for me to see to watch him just in and see him play against his peers because he's the real deal right now he is he's turned into everything the stars thought he was going to be when they drafted him and people just rave about him every time I talk about it I mean that's one of the reasons I'm most excited I mean that's one of the reasons I'm going to watch the Olympics too is to watch Miro Heiskanen um but he is. It's gonna. It's gonna be fun to watch him with Finland and World Juniors, and they've got a loaded defense. I think they've got four, four or five first-round picks on the back end um, on defense. They're they're gonna be. I mean, USA and Canada are the favorites, but the Finns should be good for this tournament too. Yeah, and that's um. Well, that was like a couple of years ago when the Finns had Puliarvi and Line A, who were both producing pre- a pretty solid clip in the Finnish men's league for. 16 or 17 or whatever they were at the time and then they came to world juniors and just absolutely tore it up that's kind of the fun thing about watching these tournaments particularly for the european kids at least is most of them are playing in men's leagues so you don't their production points wise doesn't always necessarily translate to how well they're actually playing and i mean miros that doesn't necessarily apply to him because he's producing and playing well he's playing like 25 minutes a night leading his team um but it'll be interesting to see him playing against his age group to see kind of how that translates because i have a it would not shock me to see him named best defenseman in the tournament this year yeah and that's not even that bold of a claim i mean they've got he he's gonna play huge minutes on this Finnish team he's going to um this is a team that's got four other first round picks playing and one thing that's going to be I mean, you, you talk about something that's going to be can't-miss television. You think about the Finnish power play that's going to have Miro Heiskanen running the point and Eli, Tolvin, and Eli Tolvinen as the trigger man. That's that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, they're, um, Hockey News has them fifth-best odds to win the tournament because I don't know. I, I think and that's because I don't think they have a goaltender that's, that they can kind of rely on. But um, they, they should I, be I don't decent. Think that, they don't have the goaltending. They don't have the goaltending depth. It's not like Canada where you have two prospects. I mean, I th- I think with the Finnish, it's the Uka Pekko Lekkonen kid from Buffalo. Sounds right. Um, 
Yes, I mean, I know, I know I'm butchering that, but I'm trying my hardest um, to, to say it properly. But I think it's the Buffalo prospect for Finland in goal. Um, and so I think it's there's just a lot riding on his shoulders just to kind of be that stabilizer because World Junior Tournaments obviously can be won and lost on goaltending just because of the crazy nature of junior hockey. Right, and looking through... I have Finland's page pulled up right now. They talk about depth up the middle. Like if you look at, I I pulled up because I I don't remember who Tufty played with on um in their last game against Sweden. So I pulled up the U.S. line chart. And the U.S. is stacked at center, and Canada is always going to be stacked play- at forward. Yeah, but he played with Middlestad last week or last night or two he, nights ago. He's he's played back to back games with Middlestad now, which is something just to keep an eye on. Um, and they're both. I mean, they don't play together at all, but they both Minnesota high school products, so maybe there's something there with that. But he's played back-to-back games with middle stat. Right, and, and that's what uh, their talk, hockey news was talking about with Finland is they don't necessarily have the center depth to match up with the North American teams, which can be problemsome in a tournament like this. Mm-hmm. But they'll be a good team. It'll be fun. should be fun to watch Heiskanen. Um, to uh, stick with the just... Finland just go to Sweden right away, just because of the uh, that's that's the way because they'll typically they typically always end up playing a big game and obviously the rivalry there. Um, Frederick Karlström is playing for Sweden, um, and he's a guy who we saw him last year in this tournament as a as a uh, he started the tournament with Sweden last year, kind of on the not even on the fourth line. He started the first. Uh, group game as the 13th forward and by the end of the tournament he was playing uh, top six minutes um he's a guy who's been playing top six minutes in pre-tournament games for sweden um carlstrom's turning into kind of a nice little uh into a nice pick for dallas he's high skill guy who's bulked up a little bit and um Sweden always puts together a good team at World Junior, and if you're playing for Sweden at World Junior, that's a good sign you're going to be an NHL player, which is a good sign for the Stars with Karlström. Yeah, agreed. We, um, I remember talking about him over summer as kind of a under-the-radar guy to keep an eye on. So that'll, that's, they have a really good team this year, too. That, um, they have the two, Pedersen and Anderson, the two top ten picks from this past, when was the draft, June? Yeah, June this past same. June. So they have they have some skill up front in that regard. I mean, you have Eric Brandstrom, who I think went thirteen or twelve to Vegas. You have Tim Lilligren on defense, and then obviously Rasmus Dahlin, who everyone expects to go number one next year. So there's a ton of skill on this team. So they could be a explosive team to watch as well. Yeah, and Dahlin is Dahlin's by far the best. Um, draft eligible player in this tournament he's going to be probably be the number one pick next year um and he is i haven't watched him as much as i've watched uh, as obviously as much as i've watched miro but he's a player who he seems like he's all that as well just based off what he's doing as uh, i don't even know he's is he still seven he's still 17 i don't know if he's turned 18 yet but he's either way it's i imagine he's 17 now at this yeah. point which so he should be easy to find because he'll still be having to wear a cage. Yeah. In this tournament. Yeah, exactly. So, so. Um, the uh, before we get to the two North American countries, the final European Euro the Stars have in this tournament, um, and he's going to play big minutes. 
Um, not a team that is expected to make big noise, but uh, Andre Vala plays for the Czech Republic. Um, he's been working on their in pre-tournament games. He's been um, on their top defense pairing. He should play 20-plus minutes for the Czechs. Um, now, the Czechs, this is the type of, I was talking to Joe McDonnell, the Stars Director of Amateur Scouting, um, and we were talking about Vala in particular. And he was pointing out to me how valuable this can be for some of those kids from the smaller countries just to be, um, well, Vala plays a big role for his WHL team. He even got an AHL surprise AHL game last year. Um, for him to go represent his country, play 20-plus minutes a night, this is something that they're hoping could be a real nice springboard for him. And maybe, and he's already a no-risk, potential high-reward prospect. He went undrafted and they signed him. Um, and so they're hoping this could even be even further uh, launching pad for him. Yeah, and I mean, if we're talking about a a smaller country that can potentially make noise this year, I would, if it would be any country, I would bet on the checks because they do have some talent up front. They have a couple guys who were drafted in the first couple rounds last year. They have uh, Philip Zadina, I think, is supposed to be a top 10 pick this year at forward. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull up his page right now, but so they have they have some talent up front. So, and they should, and they've and I believe Neckas and Scheidel are both playing on that team as well. And so yes, they're, they're they're good players as well. Those are both those were both first uh, first round picks this this past year. Um, I think I think the checks. I mean, I think the one thing that comes back down to the checks probably is you've got that's uh, another was where I don't think you go wonder about the goaltending too. Just it's. That's kind of you need somebody, and not as much as a goaltending to keep them afloat. As in you, those smaller countries, you need somebody to show up and help you steal a game or two. Sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because if you if you don't get goaltending and you play these big, powerful skating North American and Swedish, Russian, Finnish teams, then they're just gonna blow past you. And I mean, I mean, granted, Belarus is a little bit different than the Czechs because. I mean, Belarus was the team that came up from winning the 1A last year. So, but mm-hmm. I mean, just looking, I watched the highlights of some of, of that game, and it was just brutal. The defense that was on display. And, I mean, you give up 14 goals, obviously the defense is going to be great, but you need a goaltender who, when you know you're you got a two on one coming the other way, or you got, you know, Elias Anderson blowing past your defenseman on the edge and coming in all alone, you need your goaltender to help bail you out, and if. It's one. I mean, it's. I mean, going back to the the Latvia thing against Canada in the Olympics. I mean, you get a great goaltending performance, and it can keep you in a game or potentially steal you a game. So, you need someone to kind of step up. And I think I don't think the Czechs really got that last year, if I remember correctly. I, Not really. No, they were. I mean, the Czechs were were did admirable by 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 based off their expectations last year, but that's they performed as expected. Um, that brings us to uh, to. The two North American countries, the ones where we've got three of the remaining stars prospects, assuming nothing crazy happens when they announce the U.S. finalizes their roster today. Um, the uh, do you want to start with Canada or the U.S.? Uh, let's go Canada, just because. Get that out of the way, because Canada's not winning this tournament. I'm starting the crap um, talking Can- early. <laughs> Canada, you have uh, Colton Point on the roster there, um, who was uh, actually has dual citizenship and Colton Point could have been on either the American roster or the Canadian roster. He could have 
goalie for a sophomore goalie at Colgate. Um, had the choice really, um, and uh, picked to represent Canada and won the job in camp. I think I think there's I saw there's a couple people that were surprised. Um, not only that he won the job, but um, there it is a huge rarity for uh, the Canadian team to take a college hockey goalie. Um, typically, there is a there is a uh, there's a reward for sticking with the fundamental Canadian development system, and this is a point is only the second uh, is only the third uh, goalie third NCAA goalie Canada's ever taken to this tournament. All the first one since 2003, so that's a big big accomplishment in its own right. And on top of that, I think those there's a bunch of people who I saw. There's definitely some people who were tweeting at me and were surprised that he. That Canada took him over Michael DiPietro, who obviously won the Memorial Cup last year. Um, it was superb in the Memorial Cup last year. You want to know um, how surprising it was? Hockey News didn't even mention Colton Point in Canada's preview. They mentioned him in the U.S. preview. It's a wild card. It was like, there's just one guy. He's having a monster season in Colgate. He's the guy to keep an eye on. They didn't even bother throwing him in with Canada. They kind of just assumed he'd go U.S. But it's, I, he, I feel like he made the smart decision. Because if you look at the last couple of like looking back to 2010, which was when I, when you, the U.S. won gold, or I guess it was 2000. Well, it was 2000. It was fall semester 2009, so it went into 2010. I don't remember how they. So is this technically like the 2018 World Juniors or 2017? I don't. Technically re- 2008. This is technically 2018 because it's it's uh, it's goes because it ends in January. Okay, so then it was the 2010 World Juniors when I think Jake Allen was Canada's goalie. I can't think of another goalie that Canada's had in the last seven years that played world juniors that's really amounted to much to anything in the nhl and maybe that's just because i don't really i can't jog my memory right now but canada you do you remember the chl rule that they they institute the chl instituted some rule about importing foreign goalies or something like that because canada can't tur- churn out goalies which was basically yeah. the litmus for the rule yeah well they can't yeah the canada um there's now you i think the final players have finally been grandfathered out um, but they put in a rule where you could no longer take fo- uh, foreign goalies in the CHL import draft. Yeah, uh, and and I think there was guys who was who were grandfathered in, and and I think maybe I don't know for sure. I have to double check this, but I think the final players have finally been grandfathered out. So all of the goalies in the, um, all of the goalies in the CHL either well you could be an American either American or Canadian. Um, which has actually led to, and this is a topic for another day, but this is, has led to a bunch of good European goalies playing in the USHL, so they could pursue the college route. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so Canada has, and Canada is going with. I mean, Point is not supposed to be the starting goalie. Um, Carter Hart is the goalie everyone, the Flyers prospect, is the goalie everyone is expecting to uh, to start and be. But Point will play. Um, he, he'll get some group games for sure, and you also never know. I mean, one of the you never know if, if Hart struggles or anything like that. You could see Colton Point playing a big game for Canada. Um, uh, yeah, that 2010 gold medal game where I'm where I'm pretty sure all four goalies on both rosters played at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the uh, the defining moment of former Stars prospect Jack Campbell's career. Uh, yeah, if that game goes different, could you imagine the butterfly effect if? Canada won that game, and Jack Campbell does not become an American hero. Do you think Dallas would he would have get went as high as he did in that draft? Could you imagine that? 
What was that? The uh, like the butterfly effect from that game. That if Jack Campbell doesn't step up and win that game, do you think <laughs> he goes as high as he did in the draft that next summer? I'd wager Maybe. no. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's but that that is, that is an interesting butterfly effect. It's just like the butterfly effect I was thinking about the other day. Where what if uh, what if in the two thousand. 14 nope sorry 2005 what if in the 2015 AHL playoffs what if Jamie Alexiak's able to actually poke check the puck off Steven John's stick and not get turned inside out for a breakaway goal are we does Steven John's ever get traded to Dallas yeah that's very possible you talk talk about hockey butterfly effects so yeah we kind of that's that's going to get us way off topic though but i'm i'm We're, interested we'll get it we'll, we'll get into that next week yeah <laughs> i'm 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 for sure interested to see if cuz i mean i if we're being completely honest, Colton Point has, I mean, he hasn't passed Jake Ottinger even close to on the de- organizational depth chart, but he's making it a lot more interesting than I think anyone thought would come to fruition entering this season. Well, he's also, he's having the type of season that if if Point had this type of year last year, you wonder if the Stars go out and draft Ottinger. Agreed. Just, Agreed. Um, um, because Point... Last season, we have to put... There's an asterisk on point season last year. He had mono. He wasn't really... He had mono. He missed most of the season, and he came back a bit too early. Just It was not a good season for him last year. And this year, he has been one of the... He's... It's it's funny because I've I talked to I talk, I've talked to him twice now this season so far and he gives his teammates a lot of credit and he says oh well they do a good job of making him letting him see the shots and he says all the right things but. He's the backbone for that Colgate team. Like that, that, that is not a good Colgate hockey team. They're not a bad team, but they're not a team that's supposed to be competing for an ECAC title, and they are because of Colton Point. Um, he's a he's having a tremendous year, um, and like I, I think it's it's funny. You take a look at the games that Colgate has had when he hasn't played, and they've let up six or seven goals a game. Um, but when he's played, his goals against average is still around one point four, I think. Uh, he's at one nine overall, but he's got a nine forty save percent. Yeah, it's he's having a great year. Um, so he could ideally. Uh, I mean, in the ideal world, it'd be fun if on uh, now they won't because Carter Hart's the starter, and Carter Hart Carter Hart has to lose the job. But wouldn't it be fun if that and that uh, that outdoor game in Buffalo, if uh, it's a uh, point versus Ottinger? Um, that'd be awesome. That'd be very that'd be fun to see. Um, so let's talk about Jake Ottinger, who has had, uh, who is, we think he's the starter, but obviously there's still a little bit of, uh, I think there's still a little bit of question because there's also a, a wall from from the Toronto prospect yes. who actually plays for Boston yes. College, um, so he's also in consideration too to to to, to get some starts as well. But uh, Ottinger has had maybe a little bit of a down year. Um, but BU as a whole has had a down year. Um, this is uh, he's a. It, it'll be interesting to watch him play on this in this tournament, just because I think this is the type of tournament where a goalie like Jake Ottinger can shine. Just because when we think about Ottinger's strengths, World Junior tournaments um, in junior hockey in general, it's scrambly, it's chaotic, and the and it's fun. I mean, it's 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 wildly entertaining. You think about some of those. You think back to that 
you talked about that 2010 game, that 2010 USA Canada game. It was wildly entertaining, but it also was a bit scrambly and chaotic. Um, this is Ottinger's the type of goalie where, with his composure and his demeanor, this is the type of tournament where he can really stand out, in my opinion, just because that's something that can stand out. Where you can look and as someone who, when you when your defenseman does, you haven't, or when you're playing Slovakia and you haven't had haven't had a shot for eight minutes, but your defenseman trips and loses or because he's an 18-year-old kid where you can stay composed. I mean, I, th- I think this is the type of tournament that could be a nice showcase for Ottinger and what he can do um, if he grabs that opportunity. Right, and it's also, if assuming he does kind of grab that starting job, it's maybe something that can springboard him into the second half at BU too. But, I mean, I feel like the U.S. is always, and not always different than Canada, but it, it, especially this year, like, Carter Hart is the guy with Canada and as long as he doesn't absolutely blow it I mean Colton Point will get a game against like Switzerland or whoever slack team they play Mm -hmm. in group play or something like that just to get him some minutes to keep him sharp but as long as Carter Hart doesn't completely blow it he's going to be the guy and I feel like with the United States for as long as I've been watching this tournament they platoon goalies like even last Mm -hmm. year with up until the medal round when Tyler Parsons just completely went into another gear, they were platooning him and Wool throughout the group stages just because it was, you know, they're both good, really good goalies and they're trying to, but they're not like elite, like Tyler, up until that tournament last year, I don't think anyone thought of Tyler Parsons as this guy's going to be, a, I, and maybe people don't even still think of him as this guy's going to be a stud future number one goaltender, but heading into the tournament last year, there certainly, I don't think was that thought at all. So it's it's one of those things that I could see the U.S. platooning Ottinger and Wall through the group stage and kind of going and then using that outdoor game against Canada kind of as the, all right, well, we're going to go with this guy because we think he's better. And then if he kind of steals us this game, we, stealing the game is not a great way to phrase it because I think the U.S. is actually favored to win the tournament this year. But if he comes out and he plays great in this game, then this is our guy going into the medal round. So I... Because, I mean, if you look at at least the college numbers that both Ottinger and Wool have put up this year, they're subpar. Like, they're, if you look at, I think, um, I thought that they were going to, the kid from Quinnipiac, uh, Petrozelli, I thought he was going to be the third guy this year. But I, they, they, uh, the two guys they dressed last night against, or two nights ago against Sweden, were Ottinger and Jeremy Swayman from Maine. And Swayman has the best college numbers mm-hmm. in the three this year. So I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be Wall and Ottinger as the two guys, but at this point, I don't really know for sure. So it'll be, that's always kind of one of the interesting subplots of World Juniors is who's going to be the guy in net for the U.S. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, agreed. Um, the other, the last guy, we t- we've talked about him a bit already, but just uh, the last, also on the American team is uh, Riley Tufty, who has, uh, who, Really, if Tufty doesn't break his wrist last year, he's probably on that team last year, frankly. Um, just he broke his wrist, had a really slow start to his college career, and just never really got going in time to be a consideration for the team last year. Um, so this is a bit of a retribution year for Tufty, and um, he's played well. I mean, there's still a couple steps he has to take in his game, He's in, in, there's, and that's, there, that's the case with every young prospect, but... Tufty could be he, he could have an impact in this tournament and this could be a nice could be a nice springboard for him. 
Yeah, agreed. He's uh, he's had a good but not fantastic year with Duluth, but um, we can't, we touched on it at the top. They had him playing with Casey Middlestat whenever they played Sweden, and I think the game before that too. And obviously, Middlestat's a pretty talented guy in his own right. So that if they have him playing together in the tournament, that'll be fun to watch because those are both guys who can obviously make things happen with the puck. And Tufty's a big body who typically shines in tournaments like this. And I mean. Just looking at the U.S. roster right now, they don't, I mean, they have a couple of, they really don't have a lot returning from last year's team. They have, hold on, I'm trying to count real, I think they only have like three or four skaters returning from last year's team and only two of them at forward. So they're going to be looking for some guys up front to kind of replace the uh, production they got last year from guys like Troy Terry, Jordan Greenway. So I, I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to kind of assert himself and kind of take that next step going forward in his career. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, I mean, you look at his size too, he could be a guy who you could see playing net front power play for them. Um, and Tufty's also a player, and this is, happens with some other young players in general, and some guys can turn this into long-term consistency. Some guys it bothered bothers them for quite a while. Tufty is a player who has been has is a bit streaky since he's gotten to college. Obviously he was very had a very slow start because of the injury, but even this year there's stretches where he looks really good. There's stretches where he looks somewhat average. Um so this is this is maybe the type of tournament where this will be nice for him though too, where he'll be playing against his peers. And he's relatively playing against his peers in college, but he's still only nineteen. Um He's still only 19 playing in college, and he's playing against uh, people have to remember college hockey isn't like college football where the average age is 20. The average age in college hockey is, what, 22 now? Something Uh, like that, yeah. That was the whole whole big stink the Big Ten made a couple years ago about an age limit in college hockey because most of these smaller programs that aren't poaching guys from the national team development program every other year, they're guys that are playing juniors until they're 20, so they're coming in as... 20, 21 year old freshman and then playing until they're 25. Mm-hmm. Well, like, example is uh, Curtis McKenzie on the Stars. Curtis McKenzie makes, well, he's playing the AHL right now, but Curtis McKenzie makes his debut with uh, as a 24 year old in the AHL because he spent four years at Miami after two years of uh, the, uh, I believe Curtis was the USHL, I believe. Um, or, no, I can't remember which junior. I think Canadian he was one of the league. Canadian I think he might have been BCHL. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the BCHL. Um, wrap, we'll wrap this up. Wrap up the World Junior preview with the uh, with this. Let's, uh, Ryan, if you're picking, you're picking gold, silver, and bronze right now. What's your uh, gold? So you're okay. We'll pick. You're picking one through four right now. What do you? Uh, what's your? What's your prediction? I think the gold medal game is going to be U.S. over Sweden. And the bronze medal game is going to be Canada over Finland. I don't really have any uh, any sort of justification for that other than I don't like Canada and I like America. I don't actually hate Canada as a country. I just don't like Canadian hockey teams. It's my... But it's like, you know, it's like... I As good as everyone thinks Carter Hart is, I it's just... I, I've seen it happen so many times the last seven years that the Canadians just don't get the timely goaltending. And I, I mean, 
Canada is disproportionately affected by this more than other countries, but there's a lot of really good players that aren't going to be playing for Canada because they're playing in the NHL. And obviously, mm-hmm. in the, and they're actually playing a role for their NHL teams. They're not just sitting up there collecting dust on in the press box. So obviously, NHL teams aren't going to release these kids to go play junior hockey because it's like, hey, we have games to win here. So that's I, I think Canada has a really good defense this year. I think... Carter Hart can be good, but I'm still not 100% sold. But I just think that there's both the United States and Sweden have more firepower up front, and that's going to kind of come through in crunch time. I'm going to have, I'm going with, uh, so the Americans have actually two things the Americans have never done. They've never repeated as the world, as junior champions, and they've never won on home ice, actually. Yes. Um, I do remember reading that. I'm going to say they do that this year, um, just because I, th- I think, and also I think it would be, uh, and I'm going to pick the Americans over Finland in the final, um, and then I actually, just because they always end up there, um, they always end up sneaking in there, and they're always there, and we didn't even talk about them today, because, just because they don't have anyone on the stars, but um, I'm going to pick Canada over Russia from the bronze medal game. And uh, to be bold and fun prediction, I'm going to go with uh, Point gets the uh, bronze medal game start um, and wins that game for a uh, Dallas Stars uh, connection here. See, the thing with Russia, and I mean, I know we didn't really talk about them, but to touch on Russia real quick, is obviously they always have talent, but they got where they got last year because of Ilya Samsonov and Cole, and he's not there mm-hmm. this year. So I don't know if they're – and it, it goes back – I mean, we talked about it with the smaller countries. you got to have a goaltender to steal your games. If you have a great goaltender like that with talent, it can take you to the medal round, and I, I just don't know if Russia has that this year. Don't know if they do either, but they've got some other ten kids. I mean, uh, Klim Kostin, for example, is a phenomenal player. You've got uh, uh, Svechnikov mm-hmm. <laughs> is on that team. Um, Abramov is on that team. So, um, but I'll go uh, U.S. U.S. Finland, uh, Canada, Russia in that order. So, everyone, you can tell me we can tell us we're wrong. Feel free to comment on that. Um, Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week for the uh, 2018 uh, uh, year in review. Um, 2017 year in review. We're not in 2018 yet. I wish we were, but we are not. Or maybe we're time travelers, Ryan. Who knows? If only. If only. All right, everyone, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, everything you celebrate, and uh, we will talk next week.